I want to read a story for you. This is called, There's a Great One Inside You. It was during a practice session for the Green Bay Packers. Things were not going well for Vince Lombardi's team. Lombardi singled out one big guard for his failure to put out. It was a hot, muggy day when the coach called his guard aside and leveled his awesome vocal guns on him, as only Lombardi could do. Son, you are a lousy football player. You're not blocking. You're not tackling. You're not putting out. As a matter of fact, it's all over for you today. Go take a shower. The big guard dropped his head and walked into the dressing room. Forty-five minutes later, when Lombardi walked in, he saw the big guard sitting in the front of his locker, still wearing his uniform. His head was bowed, and he was sobbing quietly. Vince Lombardi, they were the changeable, but always the compassionate warrior, did something of an about-face that was also typical of him. He walked over to his football player and put his arm around his shoulder. Son, he said, I told you the truth. You are a lousy football player. You're not blocking. You're not tackling. You're not putting out. However, in all fairness to you, I should have finished the story. Inside of you, son, there is a great football player. And I'm going to stick by your side until the great football player inside of you has a chance to come out. With these words, Jerry Kramer straightened up and felt a great deal better. As a matter of fact, he felt so much better, he went on to become one of the all-time greats in football and was recently voted the all-time guard in the first 50 years of professional football. What a story. Jerry Kramer may have been too long ago for some of you to know who he was, but you can look him up and find out who he is. <laughs> and see, that's the story. As Paul Harvey would say, that's the rest of the story. In review, last time we were looking at needs that are easy to see, problems that are easy to find, but solutions are hard to discover. Reasons for failure are well pronounced, but we need to find the reasons to succeed. We looked at a number of stories, we looked at three particularly last time, in which there was a solution, there was an obvious solution. Sometimes the obvious solution would have kept many from finding the real solution. But when they were given the real solution, when they were given or told the real way to take care of it, they didn't let the obvious one get in their way. The ten lepers were told, go show yourselves to the priest. That wasn't the obvious solution. The, the uh, nobleman who came for Jesus to come and heal his son, the obvious solution, Jesus, come with me. And Jesus said, no, go. That wasn't the obvious solution. But it was a solution that was going to work. We have to listen to the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God comes up on the inside of us and speaks revelation, though it goes against the obvious solution, we need to do it. If we will listen, if we will develop our spirit during the small things we go through, if we develop our spirit, we will be made ready for when the big things come our way to know this is God. Very often in Scripture, the window for something to work and something to fail was small. We want a compassionate God sometimes who has a big window. It's in front of the pool, the pool of Bethesda. 
And Jesus came to him and he asked him a very funny question. Do you want to be healed? And the man said, I have no one to put me in the water because an angel would come down and stir the water. And the first one in the pool, not the one who was there the longest, not the one who got there the earliest, not the one who's been sick the longest, the first one into the pool was healed. He said, I have no man to put me in the pool. And Jesus gave him a command. He said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. The man could have fought, the man could have argued, but he had a small window open to him. If he listened, he's healed. If he argues, what happens? He's not in the Bible. He's not even, we don't even know about him. He isn't there. But he is there. Why? Because he listened. Peter reached down and grabbed the lame man and said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and the man leaped. He had to listen. There are times when revelation will come to you. Revelation has power. Incredible power. When God speaks revelation, if you delay obeying it, you will turn off its power. We need to develop our spirit in the easy times and through the easy things that we are doing. So when those instances come, when we need power. Oh, yeah, we got it. All we need to do is listen. God will speak revelation. Quit that. Stop that. Do this. Go this way. Go here. And power will come into our lives and change our situation. The Bible is filled with people who change their situation in a matter of moments. A matter of moments. Simply because they obeyed. We're looking today at, at a one word in particular. Awesomeness. I don't remember who the character is, but there's this guy who's on the TV. I see the advertisements for the show uh, a bunch, but um, uh, he used to play Doogie Hauser. I remember him from Doogie Hauser. He uh, always goes around and he calls everything awesome. <laughs> right? Yep. Well, we're going to look at some awesome stuff here today. Awesomeness is a word that means inspiring. An overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, or fear causing or inducing awe. However, it doesn't just happen. I want you to know this. Awesomeness does not just happen. Just because you want something to be awesome does not mean it is going to be. How many have ever uh, planned an outing with a, a girl or a guy? Date? And you wanted that date to be awesome. So what did you do? Picked out the restaurant. You picked out the place. Picked out what you were going to do, what movie you're going to see. Why? Because awesomeness demands preparation. You got to get ready for it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Since we're looking at the wise and the foolish, should we not look at this parable? <laughs> we've looked at it before, but we've got this right here. There's ten virgins, five of them are wise, and five of them are foolish. If we can discern all the things that cause the wise to be wise and the fools to be foolish, we can learn some things, right? Now, here's the fun thing. They're all waiting for the Messiah. Just because you're a Christian does not make you wise. 
It may make you smarter than the unsaved who didn't go after Jesus, but it does not make you wise. You can be a fool and be a Christian. How many of you know some of those? Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. None. Now, the lamp has some oil in it, but they took none to fill it up with. They just took the lamp. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. How many of them? Slumbering and sleeping does not make you a fool. Understand that? Because the five wise slumbered and slept. This parable is not about sleeping. There's nothing poetic about the slumbering and sleeping. So I think some people try to derive that, well, the church has been sleeping. No, that's not what it's after. How many of y'all know? How many slept last night? I know some people worked instead, but some, most of us were sleeping last night. How many of y'all know that's a good thing? It is a good thing to sleep at night and to, to at least sleep once in, during the day. So some, sometime in there you ought, ought to sleep. You ought to, you ought to do that. I know when I was growing up, I developed an aversion to sleep. And my mom says I was born with that too. She says I didn't sleep much when I was a kid either. But I just developed aversion to it, and I kept trying to see how little I could get away with. That's, that survived all the way up into college. And then one time my coach pulled me aside and said, Steve, you would, you would be a better runner if you slept more. So I gave myself an extra half hour or something like that. I don't know what it was. I'm, I'm much better with that now. We enjoy a good night's rest. It's good. It gets you ready for the, for the day. It's better than being sleepy and groggy and, and so forth. But while the bridegroom was delayed, what's a delay mean? You're expecting it at one time and it comes at another. Now, if anybody had somebody come in the air, uh, they were on the airplanes last night, you know, we had to monitor them for a little bit. You understand that that kind of weather causes delays, which means I'm expecting the plane to come in at three but instead, the plane comes in at 4.30. It is delayed. You cannot be delayed unless there is an expected time. If you say, well, I'll get there sometime tomorrow. And you get there at noon. Are you delayed? No. <laughs> you said you'd get there sometime tomorrow. If you say, I'll get there at 10 o'clock tomorrow. And you don't get there until 2.30. You were and when you arrive, you say, I'm sorry I was late. I'm sorry I was delayed. Things happened. There was an accident on the road. There were, we, we didn't get off. You, you give the reasons why you were delayed. It says that the bridegroom was delayed. So there was an expectation that he would be here at a certain time. And for whatever reason, he has been delayed and took longer. We don't know how much longer. We know that he was delayed. So they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Now, it doesn't say who makes the cry, but I imagine it's an angel. If you're going with the, the type here. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. How many? All ten. So all ten slumbered and slept, and all ten got up. Waking up does not make you wise. Any more than being than going to sleep makes you a fool. All right, we get that part of it down. They all rose up. Rose up. <coughs> then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Means they lit them. 
you think of just turning the light socket on, but you know they had wicks and they had to turn the, the wick up and they had to light the thing and get it going. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to the Wawa, well, I mean, who else is open? Right? How many places are you going to have open? And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Now, just think about this. How awesome is it going to be when the bridegroom comes? The bridegroom's coming for the second, the, the, for the church. He's coming for the rapture of the church. He's also coming in the second advent. The second coming. He's going to come both times. We've got two more comings for He's coming. The first time, he's only coming into the air. The second time, he comes on the Mount of Olives and splits it in two. But the first time, he only comes as far as the air and we meet him in the air. How many of y'all know that is going to be an awesome day? I mean, I just sat around thinking about that. Oh, how awesome is it going to be? When Jesus comes and calls us home, oh, it's good. you just get excited. You know, just, oh, here we go. We're going. You can get excited about that. You don't have to get into which one he's getting into for this one. Has no uh, bearing on where, where we're going. But it will be awesome when Jesus comes and he appears. Now, what happens to those who are not prepared? Those who are not ready or those who are waiting but not watching? What happens? Is it an awesome day for them? No. No. In a moment, it will go away from, it will be the opposite of awesome. It will not be an awesome day. I put this in your, in your uh, outline. I'll fill this in here for you just a minute. How many of you ever watched one of those love stories? You know, the girl and the guy. And, you know, they're you're going through the story, especially now. I mean, now we have all the Christmas love stories on. You know, Hallmark has put up all these different ones on. And you got the Christmas love stories. And, you know, it's always the girl falling in love with the guy for whatever reason. She's always marrying the wrong one. The right one comes along. Fun time. But anyway, they, they're, they're dating. They're going along. Now, how many of you have watched one of these love stories? And one of them, either the guy or the girl, says the three words first. Look in each other's eyes, a very romantic moment over dinner, candlelight, whatever it might be. And they say, I love you. First time they ever said, I love you to, to each other. And the response should be what? How long should it be until that response happens? Is there a window? <laughs> is there a, a window where this is appropriate? If the girl says, I love you, and the guy sits on the other side of the table and he says, thank you. That's, that's not going to work, is it? This is not going to be a good thing. We can go from, I mean, if the, if the guy says, I love you too, right back, it's an awesome moment. But if he delays and thinks about it for a second or two, it becomes awkward, right? We go from awesome to awkward in a matter of seconds. It doesn't take long, it, it takes seconds. The difference between awesome and awkward is usually just a few seconds. There's no in-between. Either it's going to be awesome or it's going to be what? Awkward. Awkward. And uh, now you can sometimes recover from awkward. Sometimes you can recover from awkward. But it's better if you don't have to recover from awkward. If you can just just go on. One of my my favorite movies. You all know what my favorite movie is. 
First Star Trek, the new series that they did. Love that. With, uh, who's, the, who's the captain? Chris, Chris Pine. Great captain. One of the best captains. Probably second only to Jean-Luc Picard. He was awesome. <laughs> anyway. This, in this scene, he's not the captain yet. Captain Pike is the captain of the Enterprise. And we are set. We got the brand new one. I mean, it is glamorous. If you have watched all the Star Trek movies, you know this is the most, what's the word? Awesome Star Trek Enterprise you have ever seen. I mean, it glows. It gleams at you. It is bright. It is just fantastic to look at that thing. That is one awesome set. And you get that thing, this thing is bright, it is shiny, it is new, and Captain Pike is at the seat, and he tells, uh, I think it's Lieutenant Sulu, to put it in the warp and take it out. And he does something, and it doesn't, he doesn't hear like a little noise, and nothing happens. It doesn't go anywhere. And we're trying, we've got this brand new, uh, and, and Captain, anytime, anytime. <laughs> he's trying to, what happened, and I think it's Spock in the back, Spock says, did you uh, release the dampers or what is something along the, and you just see, you don't hear a response. You just see Sula go, doot, doot. <laughs> and then bang, they're off. We went from an awesome moment to what? Awkward. <laughs> this, is, this is not supposed to happen this way. We were supposed to be out and just go, and we didn't. We can go from an awesome moment to an awkward moment really fast. You know, you can do that with God. You can go from an awesome moment to an awkward moment really quick. Think of the five foolish virgins who woke up, tried to trim their lamps and say, we need more oil. We don't have enough. That is an awkward moment. He's coming. He's coming. We got it. It's so awkward. We'll just ask somebody for help. Can you give me some, we need some oil? Can you give me some oil? I need to. Need to light the lamps. I don't know exactly why they needed the lamps lit. I just follow somebody who had one. That's what I would do. But obviously that wasn't part of the solution. And the folks who know the story better, who were there, probably know why. I would just, uh, I just tag behind them. You know, Christian and I, we go on these night runs over the, the group. And some of these guys have these flashlights on their heads. That they, they carry, they have flashlight on their heads so they can see it. Signs of light in front of them. I've never run with a flashlight on my head. Never, never did that. Never put a flashlight on the head. I guess it makes you more visible to cars. We got blinkers on. We got all sorts of stuff. We got, I got this awesome vest I put on. It's got these lines all through it that light up. And uh, no one's going to hit me with that unless they do it on purpose. <laughs> Who knows? They might try and, try and do that. But anyway, we got these guys. They got these lights. Why in the world should I go out there and put a light on my head and have that thing bop up and down all the time? I got guys out there. We just follow them. So we just do that. That's what I would do, but apparently that's not something that could be done for whatever the reason they had to go out there and get the oil. So they go out to get the oil that they didn't have, that they didn't come with. Remember, the guy was delayed. The ones who are unprepared are called foolish. The ones who are prepared are called wise. There is really nothing, no other difference between them. They all slumbered and slept. They all got up at the call. They all were there waiting and looking for the bridegroom to come. There is no difference there. The only difference was one brought extra oil and some did not. They all brought lamps, but not everybody brought the extra oil. Perhaps 
the ones who didn't bring the extra, thought they had enough oil to make it until his expected time. Because again, he was delayed. But that didn't quite work out. So you got one group over here, the foolish people. They may have, how many have ever done some things where you were not quite prepared and got away with it? You didn't quite get enough. I mean, you didn't quite, you didn't go out and fill up that tank of gas, but you still made it through, which I had to do. You, you, you just, you weren't, you could have been prepared more. And so sometimes you think, well, we can get away with that. And other times, no, you didn't quite get away with it. Have you ever been around here? You know, I always think it's funny around here. We have the uh, French toast runs whenever the snow is coming in. Everybody wants to make French toast because they all go to the store and they buy what? Milk, bread, and eggs. Go to the store during the storm or after the storm or before the, I'm sorry, before the storm gets there. Everybody's buying milk, bread, and eggs. If you go out there and get some, if you really need it, not to, to make French toast, but for something else, you, it's, it's all gone. I don't know why. When was the last time we had a storm around here that you could not get out for days? I don't remember. I remember sometimes, you know, we had that, uh, a couple of years where we had those big storms, you know, two feet of snow here. And maybe you don't go out for a day, but you could. You could if you wanted to. But, you know, maybe you don't. And you go out there and you make some preparations and you get some stuff in the house. You get some, some things going on. And so you get yourself ready. You make preparation. You may not need it, but you get yourself preparation. We got a fireplace in the, in the house. Yesterday I was making preparation for the storm coming in. I was pulling wood out of the far out end of the yard and putting it into place, banging off all the snow that was on it and covering it up so that it didn't get more snow on it. So that we had wood ready. I had, we brought wood inside. We have dry wood inside. We have dry wood that's underneath the tarp. So we're ready. Preparation. But sometimes you get away with cheating on the preparation. You don't prepare all the way, and you got away with it. You know, you didn't quite do all the work you should have done on that project for the job, but it turned out okay. Whatever it might be. We didn't do all the preparation that we needed. We got away with it. I put this in your outline because I want you to think about this. How much of our lives are spent in training to be wise or foolish? How much of our lives do we spend training to be either wise or foolish? What I mean by that is this. The group of foolish people, what was the difference? What made them fools? Lack of preparation. What made the wise wise? They were prepared. How much time do you spend doing things without preparation? What are you in training for? It's foolish of training. You ought to just think of it this way. Every time I don't prepare, I am in foolishness training. Is that not what this, this is teaching us? Is there anything else this parable is trying to point out between the difference between, between the fool and the wise? You think this is the first time these fools were unprepared? It's one time they didn't get away with it. Have you ever had people you work with who often come to meetings unprepared? And got away with it? Have you ever shown up when you were in school, in class, and you were not prepared for the class, and no one called on you, and you said, oh, they didn't expose my, my lack of preparation. I did okay. It was all right. I got, I got away with it. And sometimes you may think that I can do it again. We are in training to be fools. Training to be wise is what? Preparing. Whether you got called on or whether you didn't, you are Training to be wise. Have you ever looked at it that way? Preparation is training. Training to be wise. 
If I always am prepared, then I can't be surprised. If something is delayed, I'm okay. We're, we're prepared. I learned a time management thing. I, I learned this a long time ago. That uh, always carry something with you wherever you go to work on. Always carry something with you. So I always have a computer with me. Um, something I need to read, something I need to, to, to work. always carry wherever it is I go. The reason for it was, how many of you times have you ever been stuck somewhere? You weren't expecting to be stuck, but you got stuck. You know, you could be stuck in a traffic jam. You could be stuck waiting for someone to arrive. You could be stuck, all kinds of reasons you could be stuck somewhere doing something. And you just, but you, but you brought something. You're prepared. Well, that's all right. I can go read this. I can go out there and I can write this. I can work on this. You've got something that you can do. Always go somewhere with something to do. You may not do it, but you, if you are prepared, you can at least uh, be ready. You are in training to be wise. If you have something to do and you are stuck waiting on someone for an hour, but you can, do, you can use that hour, what are you? That's a wise person. You didn't waste the hour just sitting there. A fool will just sit there and, and waste it away. A wise person, though, is prepared. You like to read? Keep books in your car. Who knows when you're going to get caught into something? You pull that book out, go to read. Get yourself ready. So how much of our lives is spent in training to be either a fool or to be wise? We ought to get so that training or so, so that preparation is just something that we do. I am always looking to be prepared. I'm looking to, to get prepared. We've told you this part of it before because this is what I was always taught. The time to study up on healing is when? When you're well. The time to study up about finances and wisdom on finances is when? When you have money. When you're not in need. The time to do these things is before. But when do most people, especially Christians, when do we decide to study about finances? When I'm dirt poor, broke, and on the verge of bankruptcy. I may be able to study this thing out. <laughs> That's a fool. That's foolish, foolishness training right there. You waited until the end. You didn't get yourself prepared. People that are sick on their dying deathbed. You know what? Maybe I'll check out this healing stuff. <laughs> what? What? Is, is that good? No, they're not prepared. They're not ready. They're not in a place where they're going to hear that either. You've got to get yourself ready. The time to prepare is before you need it. We had a guy who came on through here. You remember he taught us? Um, it is better to prepare than to repair. A whole lot better. Be prepared. Now look at what they, they do here. Then all the, verse 7, Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Hmm. I put this in your outline for you. One of the things foolish people do is tap the resources of the wise. One of the things that foolish people do is to tap the resources of the wise. Look at what they say. Give us. They don't even offer to buy it. They say, give us. Do you know that most people that have spent most of their lives in foolishness training expect people to give them? 
Give me this. Why? Why? I went out. I made preparation. I got the money. I bought the oil. I have it here with me. Why am I supposed to give it to you? Well, because I don't have any. Does that even make sense? That's why they're fools. Give us some of your oil. <laughs> Look at this. Give us some of yours. Where have you ever heard that today? Do we not hear this a lot in the news today and so forth? That whatever the rich people have should go to the poor people. Why? What's the reasoning? Because the poor people don't have it. But the rich people... that That's ridiculous. Folks, that is foolishness. And if you buy into it, you have bought into a fool's wisdom. Don't do it. But it sounds so nice. It sounds so good. No, it's not. You're going to find out from this parable. You follow after that, you are following after the way of the world, not the way of God. This is Jesus. Jesus is making up this parable. He's putting all the words in here he wants to put in. He's not telling you a story that happened. He is making a story up. When you make a story up, you put the characters in it that you want. You put the people where they want to be. You get the attitudes in there that you want to have in. He's created this story. So what's in here is stuff that he wants us to see. Give us some of your oil. It's yours. You prepared. We didn't. Give it to us. Why? Because our lamps are going out. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Can't have your lamps going out, can we? Now look at this. The five foolish, out of the ten virgins here, the five foolish create the problem. There really was no problem. They created it. They created it how? By not bringing the oil. They didn't bring oil to the party. So therefore, there is a problem. Is there a problem with the other five? There's no problem. We came. We waited. He's here. We're going. There is no problem. None. Exactly what was expected is going to happen. It's just he was delayed a little bit. So while he delayed, we slept. So now that he's here, we're awake. We're ready to go. This is good. They created the problem and they expect help from others. Too often, folks, foolish people, this is one way you can identify them, foolish people create a problem and expect other people to help them with it. That's a foolish attitude. Don't have that attitude. Now, the Bible is filled with people helping out others. But don't go over there, give us. When they came to Jesus for help, they said, Jesus, would you do this? They, they asked. They didn't demand. There's a difference in that. I know we we don't necessarily can't make a demand on this, but can you come make the trip over to where my daughter is? Can you make the trip over to where my servant is? Five foolish create the problem, expect help from others, and try to make their own problems yours. Is the fact that their lamps are going out, is that a problem of the five wise virgins? It ain't going to affect them at all, is it? They have lamp, they have oil, they have light. In the words of NASA, we have ignition. Yeah, we're off. All the parts are there, they're ready to go. But the fool, foolish people, they will try and make their own problems yours. This doesn't happen overnight. This happens, you get trained to be a fool. You are constantly told, 
You don't have enough. You don't have to prepare. You don't have to make yourself ready. Other people will come along and help you. And your problem will become their problem. That's the training. Does that sound like a group of people? It's fools. How many know there is a cure for foolishness? Become wise. That's all you got to do. You, all you got to do to, to get out of foolishness is stop being a fool. That's it. If we know what it is that makes us a fool, I can stop it. We can quit it. If you stop being a fool, you can be wise. But you got to get out of this practice of being a fool. Don't create problems and expect other people to help you. If you create a problem, a wise person creates a problem. Sometimes, you know, we all create problems. Just because you created a problem doesn't mean that you're a fool. How many of y'all know you created a problem, but a wise person creates a problem, what do they do? Father God, I need some wisdom. How do I fix this problem? I just created this problem. I just made a mess of this, but I need some wisdom now. How do I fix this problem? We go to God and we ask God. God gives us wisdom. We take that wisdom. We put it into action. We carry the problem. That's what a wise person does. A wise person asks for wisdom on how to solve the problem. A fool, come help me. That's the fool. Here's the wise. They come and they say, give us some of your oil. It's your oil. Give it to us. Give us. I love this statement. There's so much in it. Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Our problem is your problem. What you have is ours. Give it to us. Now, the wise did not adapt this mentality. Look what they had to say. They got some words of their own. But the wise answered, saying, Oh, you poor souls. We can't have that. Here, take some of our oil. They didn't do that, did they? <laughs> what did they say? No! I love it when people answer questions, yes or no. Don't you? Those politicians who answer for 15 minutes and never say yes or no, and never even answer the question, they aggravate me. If a person asks you a question, answer it. Yes? No. That's it. I've told you my favorite politicians, they didn't get elected to anything, but, oh, man, I loved them. Herman Cain, if you ask him a question, what, what was the first thing out of his mouth? First, always, every time I've ever seen him do an interview, first thing out of his mouth was, yes, no. First thing, and then he'd explain it. But the first thing out of his mouth was always, yes. Do you believe it? Yes. No. And then he would explain it. I, I love politicians like that. I can listen to them all day. Uh, there was another one before him that uh, uh, the guy from the the law show, my wife likes. I can't think of his name. Um, Thompson, is that? What it is? He would do the same thing. If you ask him a question, you know what he say? Yes. No. He made the press look foolish too. I think they both did. They they, they just they just put them to shame. They'd even say, you know, that was a stupid question. But let's look at Jesus. Making this story here. Jesus likes people to answer yes or no. That's in the Bible. Let your yes be and your no be. Yeah. Answer a question, yes or no. Don't him and haul around about it. But the wise answered saying, no. Lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather those who sell and buy for yourself. So, all right, if you can't figure out a solution to your problem, we'll help you solve it. But we are not going to solve it. You are going to solve it. Go and buy. So that means they had some money, right? You can't go and buy stuff without money. They had money. 
Why is it? Now, Jesus made this story. Why is it that the foolish people don't say, can we buy some of your oil? Why don't they say that? Because it's the mentality that's there. You should give it to us. Who has that mentality in the story? The fools. Keep that in mind. What do the wise have? The wise mentality? We got our oil. We bought it. You guys can get your oil by buying it. Go and buy it. Apparently, there's, there's a all-night oil store out there. Go out there and get it. No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. What is the concern of the wise? That they have enough for themselves. Is that selfish? How in the world is that not selfish? Who are they concerned about? Themselves. Right? Now, do they have no concern for the other people? No, they give them some advice. They told them what to do. I've told you about this principle before. But sometimes we get this, uh, this notion in here that the Bible is about sacrificing yourself and doing everything for other people. It's not. The Bible has no problem with you taking care of yourself. It just says love others as you love yourself. Love others as you love yourself. That means you've got to love yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to do some things for yourself. It's okay. Take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, yourself won't have anything to give other people. You're on the airlines and you go through. How many have ever actually listened to the flight attendant when they go through their little, their little deal? You're supposed to listen. Get on enough flights. I'm sure that you've heard it so many times. But, you know, at least the first couple of times you get on there, you do listen. And one of the things that they tell you is that if you're traveling with young children, who in the air, airline is going down and the air mass drop because there's no oxygen in the place, what are you supposed to do? Good, y'all listen, yeah. Put yours on first. Isn't that selfish? Why do they tell you to do that? Because then you can help other people. If you don't take care of yourself and you pass out, the baby can't put the one on you. <laughs> so it's, take care of yourself first. Then you are able to take care of others. It's a simple concept. If you are in business, who should you look out for first? Think of it. Who, if you are in business, who do you take care of first? Well, you should take care of your employees first. If you take care of your employees first, folks, you will not be in business for very long. You'll be gone. And then where will your employees be? If you do not give yourself a reason as a business owner to stay in business and you hang it up, what happens to your employees? Do they have a job? No. So if you don't take care of yourself... What happens to your employees? They go away. Take care of yourself. Give yourself a reason for being in business. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong in the Bible with that either. Don't be stingy with your employees. Pay them what you, what you should pay them. Maybe you should take care of your customers first. Should you take care of your customers first? Have you met customers? <laughs> I know that we've all been customers, but we're all good customers. We're talking about other people. Have you ever walked into a Walmart and looked at people at the uh, counter? You want to take care of those people first? They'll destroy your business. And then what happens? First thing you ought to do, take care of your business. Make sure your business survives. Secondly, take care of your employees. Without good employees, you don't have any customers. 
Third, take care of your customers. Without your customers, you don't have any reason for employees. You don't ignore all these folks that are around there. You take care of them all. You take care of them in a certain order. You be wise about it. If you don't have a reason for getting up in the morning because an owner of a business is going to work harder and longer than an employee. An owner of the business is the one who is putting at risk. The employees have nothing at risk. Nothing. They show up, they get paid. The employer may have sometimes when he shows up and doesn't get paid. So at other times he may get paid more. That's all right. It's, it's, it's okay to do. Take care of yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is giving you a parable here and telling you, here's, what, here's the attitude of these people. Take care. There won't be enough for us and you, so you go out and buy yours. What would have been the best thing to have done? If they all would have brought the oil. Then there wouldn't be a problem. But they didn't do it. Just because people have created a problem around you does not mean that you need to sacrifice everything to help them. If God says, I want you to do this, then you do it. But don't be moved by guilt. Don't be moved by, well, I guess I oughta. That's not the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God says, Steve, rise up and help that person, what should I do? Rise up and help that person. When the person says, Steve, rise up and help me, what should I do? Consult God. <laughs> That's what you should do. Find out. God, is this something that I should do? Is this something that I should? I remember uh, Keith Moore was telling a story one time about somebody. He was, uh, uh, ran into a pastor, a minister, and uh, he was sharing a need. And he said, look, I'm not sharing this need with you because I want you to do anything. I just want you to agree with me. I know you'll agree with me. I know you'll pray with me. And, um, and so they agreed that this, this huge need, this big thing that was going on. And uh, so they prayed together, they agreed together, and Brother Keith went away from there. And afterwards, he, he said, God, do you want me to do something about that? I know he didn't ask me to, but did you want me to do anything about that? And God says, no, I've already dealt with someone else. And he said, okay. And he left it. I think it was a couple weeks, so it was some time that went by, and all of a sudden, it was something urgent that came up on the inside. I said, I want you to wire the money over to that brother. I thought you said someone else was taking care of that. Keith is having a conversation with God. I thought you said somebody else was taking care of that. I did. They're not responding. So their blessing is yours. But I need you to do it. He wired the money over. Emptied the account that he took it out of. Nothing. It was a, it was a big thing. It was tough. But he did it. And he thought about it afterwards. He says, you know what? I'm one of God's go-to guys. That's pretty cool. How would you like to be one of God's go-to guys? <laughs> That'd be all right. I know I can get them to do it. I'm going to try and get this one over here. But if I can't, I can always come back and Keith will do it. He's a go-to guy. Wouldn't you like to have that? Yeah, be a go-to guy for God, not for people. People will guilt you into doing something. And you'll do it, and there won't be a blessing to come back on it because you didn't do it because God said. And sometimes people have created a problem themselves, and you're in there fighting what God wants to try and teach them. Is there a blessing on that? No. You need to let God teach them the thing and get out of God's way. You cannot get in God's way and expect God to bless you. Please understand that. Guilt will do that. The enemy will get you to try and do that. Don't do it. Stay out of it. Listen to God. 
No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who, who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, see, the call had gone out. Did they have time to do this? Now, here's the thing. Sleeping is not a problem. But when you know you don't have enough oil, when you came unprepared, if you have time to sleep, go out and get the oil. Go out and get it. Right? Sleeping's okay. But if you did not make preparation, what should you be doing? Go in and get the oil. Now, again, he was delayed. It probably was. You know, he's supposed to be here at this time. And they all wanted to make sure. And they didn't feel like they had time to get there. But he was delayed. I don't know. I'm kind of, I like to pull resources. I'd be kind of like, I get the five virgins together and say, all right, let's draw straws. One of us will go and buy enough for all five of us. We'll put the money in the pot. And one of us goes and buys all five of us. And then come on back. But, you know, they didn't, they didn't do that. They went to buy and the bridegroom came. And those who were... Those who were ready. Why is it that he didn't wait for all those who came? Why is it that he didn't wait for all those who were expecting? Anticipating? Waiting? Looking? Why is it that he didn't do that? All those who... All, he was, they're not ready. All those who were... So what's important for us to do? What's the thing that he's trying to get us to understand from this? Be... Ready. How do you get ready? Preparation. Be prepared. Boy Scout motto. Always be prepared. What was that commercial they were doing on? Was it State Farm? One of the insurance things? Whatever it was, you know, they'd, uh, if they had the accident, they pull the new car right out of the trunk. Right? Pull the new car right out of the trunk and drive off with the new car. Always be prepared. You know, they're ready for whatever it is it might throw at them. That's a little crazy. But uh, they were getting the message across. Be prepared. Be ready. Well, I didn't, under, I didn't anticipate that this was going to happen. What is wisdom? Wisdom anticipates the end at the beginning. Right? That's wisdom. Wisdom understands what will happen at the end while we are here at the beginning. That's wisdom. So wisdom simply lets God say, what do I need to do here? And God says, what's the most important for you, th- for you to do right now is to go get some more oil. Yeah, but if I don't show up, but the most, the spirit is coming up on the inside. The most important thing to do right now, go get some more oil. That's right. Well, why do I need to get some more oil? I got some oil in the lamp. Go get some more oil. That's the most prudent thing. But see, the spirit of God is going to tell you, be prepared. Get ready. If you listen to the Spirit of God, if you'd wake up and get ready, listen to the Spirit of God, what should I be doing? If you trained yourself to listen to the Spirit of God, to hear what He's saying to do, He'll help you prepare for your job better than you've ever been prepared before. You will show up prepared and ready with stuff, and people will look around and say, how did you know to prepare that? How did you even know to have that ready? You tell them, God told me. Don't think you're a kook. But you'll know better. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Only a couple of times in the word of God, it tells us about a shut door. And they're not usually opened. We went from awesome to awkward really quick. Those who didn't have, we're trying to tap into the resources of those who did. 
five foolish created a problem. They expected help. They tried to make their own problems yours. The five wise is it showing kindness to help. You need to hear from God. There's not a set answer. Man's wisdom would say, yes, be kind. That's what man's wisdom would say. But man's wisdom to God is what? So why would you listen to it? I mean, ask yourself that sometime. That's man's wisdom. Man, the Word of God tells us that man's wisdom is to God as foolishness. In the verse we were reading here this morning, Bethel was reading for us, God's foolishness is wiser than man. If God has any foolishness. Not that he necessarily does, but don't listen to the wisdom of man. Is it showing kindness to help? Are they being selfish? No. You're doing what God says to do. If you have something and God says, help that one out, help them. If you have something and God says, don't help them out, don't. Don't disobey God. Listen to them because it will not be awesome if you do. Now, all of them brought oil. There's oil in the lamps of all the people that are there. They all have oil. But the five brought an extra, uh, an extra battery, so to speak. They had the backup power cell. They had the little extra can for oil. Not convenient to carry a can of oil. How many of y'all know that? It's hard enough to carry a lamp like that. But some just did not bring that extra. So, what is enough? What is enough? If the bridegroom had come at the time he was supposed to come, would everyone have had enough? So, what is enough? Is enough is to take care of whatever's the need at the moment. Wouldn't it be? But you don't always know what the need is, do you? That's why we prepare and take extra, just in case. How many of you have extra batteries? Why? Oh, I might need them. What if the batteries are in my my uh, little flashlight? What if they die? i got to have stuff to, to replace them with. What if I need light? Carry the extra stuff around. It's a good thing to do. If you listen to the Spirit of God, He will tell you when you have enough. He'll warn you. You don't have enough. You need more. What do you mean? I've done this a hundred times. This is plenty. God says you need more. If God says you need more, what should you do? Get more. You don't have enough. Don't question it. If He says it, get more. I don't know why, but I need more. Get it. If you don't end up using it, don't sit there and say, well, I guess I miss God. No, my God, maybe just training you. Training you to be wise. You need some wisdom training. Again, wisdom sees the end at the beginning. Let's finish this story off. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Why? They came to a closed door. What's the nice thing to do? What's human wisdom say? Well, they waited all night. They just ran out of oil. I mean, it's not a big deal. Apparently it is. They came and they found the door. They knocked on the door. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm feeling merciful today. No, but he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Now, this is apply this to a couple of places. If we had the rapture of the church come and Jesus comes in the cloud and whole mess of people head on up and some people who were not ready show up at church the next Sunday and there's no one there. Or just a couple of other unprepared people who show up and find the church locked up. 
And, uh, and they say, whoa, what happened? And after nobody comes up and find out, you know, other churches had the same problem, they may be thinking, the rapture happened and we got left behind. Let's get ready now so that we can go. And what's God going to say? No. No, not going to happen. No. What happens if we die and we get over to the, the other side? We find out we're going in the wrong direction. We're heading down to hell. Is it time? Can we make change? No, your time is now. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Yeah, it is harsh, isn't it? Man, I do not know you. What do you mean you don't know me? Let me tell you what, folks. For those that God knows, he speaks to them. He talks to them. How many have ever seen those disaster um, rapture movies? You know, planes crashing, trains, cars crashing all over the place because the drivers disappeared, pilots are gone, so forth. I don't think that's how God's going to do it. I think God's going to speak to those that are His. He's going to tell that pilot, don't fly today. He's going to tell that driver, don't get in the car just yet. He's going to tell them, because if we have disaster happening all over because people dis- disappeared, is, is that's really something that the world can just ignore? Whatever, however the rapture happens, folks, the world is going to be able to explain it away. Guaranteed. They will have a way to explain it away. And God will give them the opportunity. He will speak to the people he needs to speak to. And I'll guarantee you there will come a time when there will be no Christian parent, uh, pilots in the air. No ones that are going on anyway. And planes won't come down crashing. Trains won't go off the tracks. No. Our God is orderly. How in the world is he going to pull all those people out and not have disorder come to this world? I don't know, but he's God. I'm not. That's not my job. That's his. He says, I do not know you. How many of y'all know? What's more important? Is it important for us to know God or for God to know us? It's more important for God to know us. There's a whole lot of people who know about God. Not everybody knows, is known by him. That's what we need to do. Is Jesus being too hard on them? You want to tell Jesus that? I'm not going to tell Jesus that. I'm going to find out why is it this way, and I'm going to make sure that I make sufficient preparation because that's what I need to do. That's what he's telling me to do. So the call goes out. Here goes the call. This is the moment of awesome. I mean, this is it. This is, oh, this is flying up into the air, meeting Jesus going on. Oh, this is going to be really, really good. Our lack of preparation can cause that awesome to become awkward. And here's the other one. When awkwardness or when awkward continues, it becomes awful. You have awesome, you have awkward, you have awful. Awkward happens after you don't do something for a little while. If the guy's on the date and the girl says, I love you, and he waits five seconds and says, yeah, I love you too. All right, it was awkward, but we can get past this. If he says, thank you, and that's the end of it, we're probably looking at something pretty awful. The girl's going to go away from there thinking it was an awful dinner, awful memory. we We passed awkward. We went to awful. There are some awesome moments that are available to us. 
And if I, we get our video ready, I'm going to show you an awesome moment. This is one of the things you can sit on back here and enjoy and get it ready. Because awesome just suddenly <laughs> happens. But it doesn't just happen. It happens suddenly. But it happens because people made themselves ready. Because preparations were made. Because things took place. We're going to see some awesomeness that was unexpected. But oh, does it come out and be awesome. So this is a familiar show. You've all probably seen this before or seen the show. I don't know if you have seen this particular part of the episode, but are we ready? All right, let's go ahead and show it. These are things we need to get down. The preparation is what prepares us so that when the moment comes, we are ready to step in and to do it. There was a story that uh, Brother Keith used to share uh, a number of times when he first started over there at Ramah. And he was talking about uh, they would have him come up and they would have him and Patsy uh, do some things after the service was over and they would minister for, for a while. They just came up and they did songs as God would lead them to do th- songs. But eventually it led into a part where Brother Keith uh, steered Raymond. The whole, the whole uh, direction that Raymond went in with the prophetic song was from Keith Moore. Keith Moore led them into that where he would, uh, Brother Hagin would be teaching and all of a sudden the song would come for something that Brother Hagin was teaching. And he would come on up and he would sing the song. Sometimes he just had the words and the band would get the tune. And they would add to the tune and sometimes they'd go on through and just the keyboard. And then all of a sudden the bass and the drums and all the other ones. And a whole band is all kicking in. They're all playing along the song. Well, first off, the band was prepared. They knew their instrument. They knew how to do these things and they were ready to flow. And Brother Keith, he was ready to flow. But this particular time they got up there and they were... They were... Um, uh, Brother Hagin said, come on up here. Uh, you guys got the next part. And they're going to close out the service. And so they're coming on up. And as they're coming up, he turned over to Patsy and says, uh, you have anything? She says, I don't have anything. You have anything? He says, I don't have anything. And so they're going back and forth trying to figure out who, is, who has the next part. Who has the song? What are they supposed to do? Because it's real important. They don't just sing a song. You sing a song that is the next part in the thing. And you get, you get, you get, anybody can just go up there and sing a song. But they understood, and Brother Hagin was very sensitive to how the Spirit of God was moving. And if you didn't, if you messed up what was going on, he wasn't too happy. And so they're asking these kind of things. And right in the stage, right in front of everybody, with his microphone on, Brother Hagin turns to Keith and he says, well, he says, he turns to both of them. And he says, if I knew it was going to take you this long, I wouldn't have asked you. In front of everybody. If I knew it was going to take you this long, I wouldn't have even asked you. And he said, uh, that, he said, that hit me. He didn't get offended. He, he, you know, wise people, what do they do with correction? They accept it. They take correction. Fools despise correction. Right? You want to be a fool? Practice being offended. All you got to do, practice being offended. That's a fool. Every time you get offended, you are in practice for being a fool. Don't, don't bother with it. Don't be offended. Just, uh, just let it go. So he, uh, he got wise to that. And he says, all right. And so he made sure when the service is coming to the end, he was ready. Brother Hagin did call him. And most of the times he did call him. If Brother Hagin called on him, he was ready. He was, he said, that's, I'm never going through that again. I was, I was ready for it. Well, another time Brother Hagin said, uh, uh, told him, he says, um, you've got the next part. Uh, go ahead. And he didn't know what part that was. He didn't know, well, is it a song? Is it a teaching? He didn't know. And he said, whatever the Lord tells you, go ahead and do it. 
And he didn't know. And so he turned back to Brother Hagin. He says, well, I got a teaching. He says, no, that's not it. He says, all right. And so he, uh, he, he tried a few more things. He, he just wasn't getting it. He says, well, I have a teaching. And Brother Hagin says, well, fine then. And so he went and he ahead and he taught it. Taught what he had. And it was a real good thing that he, God was giving it to him. He was in the, in the, when he was getting it, it was real, real good. But <laughs> he, was, um, he said there was nothing. It wasn't anointed at all. It just flopped in front of all these people. He flopped. Nothing. And um, he, he found out, you know, Brother Hagin told me, that's not it. And I went ahead with it. I, he, he talked to God about it. Now, I should not have done it. He had to hear from God. Brother Hagin said, that's not it. Brother Hagin doesn't tell you things twice. He tells it to you one time. That's kind of like God does. God tells us something once. He doesn't, you, don't, you don't need to tell you again. One time. That's all we need. It's important that we are prepared. It's important, folks, that we are ready. Because God wants to do some things. He wants to move us in a direction. And there's a whole lot of times when there's a lot of little things going on in our life that all we need is a little bit of preparation for. Just a little bit of preparation. And we're, we're okay. Just a little bit of oil we need to bring along and we're okay. And if we do that and we get those little bits ready, we're, we're used to getting prepared. I'm used to getting myself ready. I'm used to when God calls on me, I don't panic. I've got something to do. I've got something to give. When somebody asks you a question, you've got something on the inside of you to give. You've got the Spirit of God speaking to you. You're used to it. You're, you're ready. You've been in training to be wise. You've been in preparation. Sometimes we have not been prepared. And people had to come along and correct us. And take care of that. And we need to receive that and get it, and get it going. And say, yes, 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 I was unprepared. I should have been prepared. Don't sit there and blame it on other people. Fools blame other people for why they're not prepared. Wise people... Look at what could I have done? If you're not looking at it that way, you're not wise. You are not in practice for being wise. If you want to look at, well, what other people have done for me, you are a fool. The media out there is trying to keep everybody in foolsville. Because all they want to do is have you, the reason you're here is because of other people. The reason is because of others. It's, it's never you. It's always others. It's not it. Don't, don't let that go on. Get that mentality out. Where you go in this life is solely the responsibility of how you follow the voice of God. Other people can't stop it. How many people helped Elijah? How many people helped David? David's back there taking care of the sheep. No one even knows about him. But God found him and sent the prophet over to him. He gets anointed to be king. There's nobody holding you back. You just got to get that mentality out. God is getting you in situations where some preparation is needed. And you need to prepare and get yourself ready. And God's going to sometimes hit you with something. Get ready. Pull this out. Study this. Pray a little extra today. I need, I need to say something to you. I need you to be praying a little extra today. I need you to come, come away. Come aside. Because there's, there's something going on. You need to be ready for it. God will help you get ready. He desires to help you get ready. So much so. Are we getting ourselves ready? Are we doing what is necessary to get ourselves there? Oh, folks, it's so important. It's so important that we do. If we prepare ourselves, when we are in the place where God wants us 
and we are prepared and we do what God has prepared us to do. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, God does some great and fantastic things with it. If we are unprepared, unready, nothing happens. And we missed an opportunity to go. We missed an opportunity to do something. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. How are we doing back there, guys? We think we're going to get it? Boy, where did it go? We had it working so good. Hmm. Whatever it is that we do for God, we need to be prepared. We need to be faithful. Everybody remember what faithful is? Is faithful doing your best? No. Faithfulness is not doing your best. You can do your best. You can do more than your best and be unfaithful because you're doing it your way. Being faithful is what? Doing it God's way. That's what we need to do. Whatever it is that we are doing for God, we need to do it God's way. We need to do it. The Word of God tells us, be faithful in what is another's before God will trust you with your own. You need to be faithful with what somebody else has. That's what we need to do. And we're all in training. We're all getting ourselves ready for these things that are coming up. Well, take a look at even some of the things that we do around here. We can go from awesome to awkward to awful if we want. But God wants us to stay in the awesome because God is a what kind of God? We ought to make a song about that, huh? (laughs) Our God is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. If we serve an awesome God, what's he going to have us do? Awesome stuff. We got to get ourselves geared up that we are ready. We are going to do awesome stuff. We look at some of the things that we do around here. I'm trying to hit hit all of them so I don't try and single them out. But uh, we have ushers. We have ushers. We have three aisles. We've shown our ushers. We have three aisles. We need three ushers in each of those aisles. When we have three ushers in each of those aisles, what happens with the offering? People come up one aisle and go down the other aisle. When we are short ushers and we only have two ushers or one usher, what's the other ushers have to do? Cross over. They've got to go down this aisle and go, is that as awesome as it was before? No. It gets into the awkward, awkward part. That's not, the, that's not a thing that we want to do. We want to keep it into the, in the other part. We look at the, uh, the opening that we do here. Ethel does the opening. Ethel sometimes is not here, and she hands this out to other people. An awesome opening. We, we, there, there are certain ways we classify the things that go on here in the church. Opening is what I, what I consider or, or call a transitional part of the service. What a transitional part of the service is, is we are transitioning people from one thing into another. We are transitioning people from being out in the hustle and bustle of getting here into a worship environment. We're transitioning. And so that's her responsibility in here is to, is to do that. Sometime ago, we were talking about it, and she rose up to the challenge to try and mix it up and do some different things in there. And uh, we're looking at three to five minutes. We get three to five minutes of just being awesome. And uh, she does some neat, neat stuff in there. We have people who only get out there to the church a couple of times a year, and they all talk about how awesome that opening can be. Did they look forward to that? 
Well, you know, it, it's got to got to stay in that. If you go into a, a, an opening and it's twenty minutes, how many know that's missed the part of being awesome? And so she she keeps it right in there. I've told her before: if you ever get, don't ever get mad at Ethel because she's not opening the service all the time in prayer. That's something I told her. I said, you know, you don't have to open it in prayer all the time. I think she felt like she was kind of needed to, and kind of sometimes you put restrictions on, you put handcuffs on yourself because you think you need to do that. So I wanted to free her up from that. You don't have to do that all the time. If you don't feel the need to open in prayer, don't. Because you know what? Our worship is a prayer to God. The whole thing is prayer. You can just do that. And so sometimes she does and sometimes she doesn't. If she doesn't, don't ever get mad at her. You can get mad at me if you want to get mad, but it's no use. We aren't going to do it any different anyway. We, I, I go to God. What do we need to do in the beginning here? How do we get people ready and transition them into, into that? The offering. We do the, the offering. The offering is not transitional. We told our folks to do that. This is not a transitional time. We are not transitioning people. We don't want them to leave the worship. We want offering to be part of it. So it's not transitional. It kind of just flows all together. So we keep the offering to be non-transitional. Still, we try and stay within three to five minutes. Because if you go too long, it stops being awesome and becomes awkward. We don't want it to, to do that. We stay on giving. We, uh, we did well, the last series we did on it. We did uh, how many weeks on, on principles and giving? I didn't even hit them all. But what we want our, our folks to do here is to review these principles with you. Because how many have forgotten some of that stuff that we went over? We want you to, to, to during the offering time, what they are to do is to remind you of some of those principles of giving. Sometimes it's from teaching. Sometimes it's from the testimonies of uh, what God has done in their life. But that's what it's there to do. It's, it's on for that. And... Uh, sometimes even in the in the sound area, when we have things going like that, how many all know it becomes a awkwardness when it goes on like we did in the beginning of the service, and we had that that special. How many all like that? Uh, isn't that awesome? Those folks, they were they sound great together. I'm, they have more stuff out there. If you go out there on YouTube, you can find all kinds of stuff from them. Just look them up, and you'll have some really fun things to to look at. But oh, when that comes on in, see, sound can be a wonderful part of making things become. Awesome. When I was a sound person back in college, it wasn't for very long, but a couple of years I was over there doing that sort of stuff. They would tell us, if people know you are there, you failed. <laughs> yeah, and they were right. I had to make sure that we were invisible. As much as we were, then, uh, then things were going right. But they have a, the thing to do. As long as they you know, keep the mains right, they keep the monitors going for the, then we have awesomeness going on. When they don't, we don't. We have less than awesome. The computer. They have things that they're supposed to do on there too. When they work on that, that computer part, we want to make sure that there's not too many words on the slide, because it's hard to read. It's hard to follow. We we try and keep the words up on the high part of the screen. We try and make sure that breaks for the song start at the new line. Sometime I'm looking at a song that hasn't quite been fixed yet for that, and I see a break in the song in the middle of the line, and it just kind of it bothers me. And Daryl says, "Yeah, it bothers me too." He's going to get down there and he's, he writes them down. He fixes them up later on, and and we get rid of that. Um, how many of y'all know when you're singing along to a song and you need the words and you're looking up there at the song and all of a sudden the, the music leader has gone on and the slide didn't move? How many know we went from awesome to awkward? <laughs> Real quick, we can, we can do some of these things. We have, we have greeters. None of them made it out here today in the, in the weather, but we have greeters. They're there to welcome, to assess the needs of the people coming in, to familiarize them with the church and to escort them to the different places that they need to go to make that experience for them 
to be awesome. Because if the visitor comes in and their experience is not awesome, it becomes awkward. How many all know it will not be long before it becomes awful? And would you come back? No, we don't want to. We don't want to see that kind of stuff go on. Well, here's the thing. Put this in your outline. I want to make sure you get these things. First off, don't just be busy for the Lord. Don't just be busy for the Lord. Be productive for the kingdom. Don't just be busy for the Lord. Be productive for the kingdom. We want you to. We want your life to be such that it's yielding an eternal reward. If I see some things and people are doing some things in the area of ministry and it's not going to yield an eternal reward because their attitude, because they're not faithful, because it's not being done, in the, then I need to tell them. Don't get offended at it. And we need to, to fix some of these things. We've got ministries that go on here. Worship team, they get out together and they practice. Worship team needs to... They, you need to focus on it. Those songs that are going to be part of the worship service, they need to be part of your worship experience during the week. Because you are a worship leader. The verses that we get into on Sunday, they are part of me for a long time before I ever get up here. I'm going over them. I'm rehearsing them. I sometimes put them on my MP3 player and listen to them when I'm out there running or doing something else. I want these things to be part of me. Whatever songs that we do on a Sunday, worship team, they need to be part of you for the week. You need to go over them and over them and over them. How prepared can I be? Can you be overprepared? No. You go over them, you go over them, you get them part of you. You know them. You should know the words. You should know the notes. You should know the chords. Whatever it is that you need to know, we got to get those things. Just like you expect me to know the verses that we're going to get into, to know where we're going, we expect everybody who's involved in church to be prepared and to be ready. And if we are, things are awesome. If we don't, we go to awkward. And not too long after that, we go to awful. Is there a reward for that? If we get up to heaven and God says, you were awful in ministry, is that going to be good? If we get up there in heaven and He says, you were awkward in ministry, is that going to be good? No. What's He want us to be able to say? You were awesome in ministry. How do you get to awesome? Prepare. 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 Whatever it is that you're going to do, whatever it is that you're going to teach, whatever it is that you're going to sing, whatever it is that you're going to do, Get there early and get yourself ready. Whatever it is, you're doing things for God not just here. You're doing things for God outside of here. Get yourself ready. We'll have to save that awesome video for some other time. I hope you get to, to see it. You'll really like it. it it's, it's just one of those things that surprise. So don't, don't, go anybody, don't go up there and look at it. Wait for it. We'll get it back in here next week. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for a great day. We thank you that we are prepared and we are preparing. We are getting ourselves ready for the ministry you have called us to. We are readying for the events of this week, for the events that are coming up down the road that we don't even know are coming. You are preparing us. You are the God of preparation. And you are getting us ready. We just need to listen. We just need to hear. We just need to yield. And when you say, do this, buy the oil, get yourself ready, we need to do it. We don't know what it is we're going to face, but we don't want to miss those awesome opportunities when the bridegroom comes. We don't want to be on the other side of the closed door. We want to be on the side where the opportunity is. So, Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in this. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go, we have some uh, testimonies, some things that God's been doing. I just have two today. <clears throat> Tony said that yesterday she got a call from her new landlord. <clears throat> Excuse me. And said that because he's having surgery, she's going to get the keys to her apartment early. So she'll get to move in a little bit earlier. And that also is a prayer request for her that we would pray for her, her land. Um, also, Phyllis said she got her Christmas bonuses at work, which they, they kind of expected them, but she said they were not guaranteed to get. But she said that what she got was more than what they expected. She says God is the guarantee, and we are embracing the snowy winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs>